والتر نش ریشرهدو دکورال اتماس ایگور ل ایرگرید به مسی ل دینه کالول اون کمون لوکلاس گل اگستاس سولیگم کمونیشیف تنیباس I remember saying to him, this is some trip, Sean Murray. This is unbelievable. <laughs> he says, it's not a trip, Muggsy, it's, it's a tour. And I was like, no, but you know what I mean? He says, no, I don't. So proud there again, D&G. Who are they again, D&G? Dalsing Cavana. Yeah, it's L&G anyway, Larry and Galvin anyway. That's the brand name in here. This season, the show is brought to you by Airgrid. They're the proud sponsors of the Under-20 All-Ireland Football Championship. Not only is Airgrid delivering a cleaner energy future for Ireland, they are invested in development of our most promising GA players and the managers that helped them to shine. Call to Harnash, lads, for another episode of Coral Moss. Delighted to be joined by Frankie Dolan this week of St. Bridget's and Ross Common. And brilliant to have you, uh, Frankie, in association with Airgrid. You're welcome to Coral Moss. How are things? Are you enjoying the summer? You're enjoying the good weather? You were in Donegal the last few days, were you? Thanks so much. Yeah, great to be on. Great to see you and great to chat you. Yeah, I was up in Bundorn for a few days with the McInifs, so we got well looked after and, you know, the weather is beautiful up there. And Brian mm. McInif is still talking about football. He's in, well into his 70s and he's just stole mad into football. He could be the next Donegal manager. You wouldn't know. He's been Donegal manager so often. I remember going up there in the early days and he was the manager. He's Mr. Donegal himself, Michael Murphy. How are they taking the, the defeat? Are they taking it badly? Are they are they disappointed? They are very disappointed, yeah. They were expecting to get a little bit of a run going this year, and especially after getting beaten last year by Cavan. So they're they are very disappointed up there. But I suppose the McInifs are originally sort of Tyrone people as well. So they're they're not overly bad, you know. But the, the mood in Bundorn itself, you know, the few people I know up there, you know, it's not it's not good, but you know, life goes on. The weather is good, so I'm sure they'll get over it. What was I going to say? The championship in general, Frankie, I know a lot of people are giving out that there was a lot of one-sided games at the early on, but it'll probably end up that we have a better kind of balance already. We're seeing it in Ulster, we'll see it in Connacht, we'll see it in the semi-finals. What's your overall view of the championship? Are you enjoying it? Are you? Is it just different? What's your take on it so far? I'll I, I be honest with you, Tomás, I haven't watched a lot of it. Um I went to the Roscommon Roscommon Galway game there a couple of weeks ago and listen, the weather the weather was horrendous and the football was probably as bad as the weather. You know, it didn't suit for probably uh, good football. Um so that's the only game I've been at. I've seen bits and pieces of highlights of matches. I, I don't I, I find it hard to sit down and watch a full Gaelic match now. I just the last year or two is just I just I, I just can't really watch it. I'd watch the likes of Dublin Kerry, you know, Mayo to an extent, but you know, other than that, I, I find it very hard. I, I don't know, maybe it's the way the soccer started off at over in England, I suppose, there last year with no crowds and the atmosphere not there. And I think it's got into my head now that with the atmosphere last year, there was no atmosphere at the Gaelic matches. And um, I think that's played into, you know, the quality and the overall last year, especially, you know, the bit of bite, a bit of intensity, the rivalry, you know, and. This year has been a little bit better that way, but you know, overall quality, I find it very hard to watch Gaelic football now. Is that with the style, Frankie? Like the the style of football, the way it's been played. Like 
are we over analyzing it are we overthinking it are we over complicating it like i know you're involved in management at club level and i'm involved in management at club level and it's even coming into that as well like and you have different tactics and different strategies and the players are almost expecting you to have these i i don't know is it tactical meetings and and is it gone too far in all levels it is yeah there's no doubt about it tomorrow like you hear counties having having tactical meetings and rec- uh, video analysis going on a full day like a full a full day from morning to evening you know and i don't know i think it's way way over the top i, I think players are probably nearly afraid to make a mistake nearly afraid to try something you know, and even at club level, I see it there. I'm with a junior club in Offaly, and you, there's some of the lads coming up that nearly expect you to play the game for them. You know, as I keep saying to them, lads, every every attack is different. Every defence is different. Yeah. Go out and play the game. Use your head. Whatever happens, happens. you got to adapt to it on the pitch. You know, start using your brains. And, you know, go out and try and enjoy the game. You know, every time something happens, you see them looking to the sideline. What are we going to do if a team gets a score? Why did they get a score? You know, why did this happen? You know, it's just crept into it. I I just think it's gone it's gone way 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 over the top. And Tomas, I just I'm doing it differently this year. I'm doing very little of the video analysis meetings, keeping it very simple, as simple as possible, game plan, as simple as possible, and go out and play the game and enjoy it. Like you want, you know, you played the game at a good time, no more than myself. And you want to look back in years to come and say, "Geez, I enjoyed that." instead of being bombarded yeah. with analysis and this and that, and you give away the ball here, and why didn't you give it there, and why didn't you move here for the kick out, all that type of stuff. You know, I'm, I, my head is just fried with all that. I just, I'm, 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 I be old school in a way, you know what I mean? But it's just very, it's just very hard at the moment with club football. Some people think that old school is bad, and there's a lot of new things that have come in, and it's grand. But if you go back to the old school, Frankie, when I talk old school, I'm talking about, like I'm involved in management now, a lot of the things that the managers did back in the day in terms of bringing the group together and bonding them, I find at the moment there we're involved in a group and you do as much as you can on the pitch, but you want to bring them together in a certain way off the pitch or bond them, bond the older lads with the younger lads. It's very, very hard in the COVID at the moment to do anything, even to bring them to the beach. You'll have a gang giving out that there's a big group do you find, are you struggling with that at the moment? Or, or do you enjoy management as such in general, but at the moment then do you find it completely different to the way you'd want to do things properly? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, Well, I had the boys at the beach there a few weeks ago in, in yeah. Bundorn, and, you know, they loved it. It was totally old school with a, a guy that was with me with St. Bridges for a few years, an S&C coach. He's originally in, he's in the army. And, like, you know what them boys are like for a session, but, yeah. like, the lads loved it. At the start, it was very hard, but you know they got into it and got into it, and it brought them together. You can actually see it bringing lads together, getting them talking, getting them working, encouraging each other. You know that type of thing. Go for a bit of lunch after, a bit of grub, few pints, stay the night. You know, and to me, that's one way of sort of getting a group together, getting to know lads. Like I got to know a few of the younger lads in particular after a few beers. You know, they start opening up naturally enough, <laughs> and you get you get and you get to you get a feel for them. Like you go to a training pitch tomorrow, lads are very a lot of young lads in particular are very quiet, and it's it's very hard to get into their heads. You know what they're thinking, how how they are in life in general. Are, are they enjoying football? Are they all right with work or college? You know what I mean? And you know, I I 
I got to know stuff that I probably shouldn't have got to <laughs> to know in Bundoran a few weeks ago. But, you know, it all worked out well. And you can see the group is a lot tighter after it, Tomas. They really enjoyed the weekend away. I um, I always found that when fellas you'd be playing with, very, very quiet lads, that you'd actually... They wouldn't say much. And in fact, they'd say nothing at all at all. Mike McCarthy was the type of a lad that would never, ever open his mouth inside in a team meeting, on the pitch, went about his business as usual, but got a few points into him. And the strange thing, frankly, Mike could make a point on a night out and he'd say something about the way we were playing and what you're doing as a wing back outside him. And you'd say, Jesus Christ, why didn't you just tell me that inside in the dressing room? Like, outstanding stuff. But the, the lads that are quieter and shyer would come out when they have a few jars on board or in there, if they're comfortable inside in the situation and they'd be funny all, when you don't expect a quiet fella to come out, that's the fella that could come out and surprise you. And uh, as you said, probably say too much at times as well, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to remind me of something there. Um, the brother Garvin, we, we were having a team meeting with Bridges there a few years ago and Garvin was up in the local pub up in Daly's having a few refreshments, you know. Yeah. And he missed the training, but he came down. He, we got him down to the team meeting. And you know, Karen Mannion, they used to play midfield for, for Bridges and Roscommon. Yeah. And Garvin came in and we knew he was well, well, well oiled, but he'd never say anything at a meeting. That's the way he was. He'd do all his talking on the pitch. But whatever he said that day, Karen Mannion says it was the best thing he ever heard in a team meeting. He said, Garvin, anymore we're having team meetings, have a few pints beforehand because <laughs> you're making lots of sense now. <laughs> you know, it's brilliant. <laughs> It is the way to go. Do you say, do you enjoy management? What's the hardest thing? And you have been involved in a while now because mm. I'd be fierce interested in it from my point. I never looked at it from a, a manager's viewpoint. Jesus, it's a tough gig, frankly, in terms of club, in terms of, don't forget Intercounty. It's it's hard. What do you find the toughest part of it? Well, Tomas, I think Intercounty management is probably easier than, than club. Mm. Like you have everybody to do everything for you. You're designating jobs to probably 10 or 15 in your management team. So you're overseeing all of that. But like club level is totally different, as you know. The manager has to do everything, yeah. more or less everything, unless you have one or two really good lads with you that they, that they can take a bit of the workload off you. you know. But that's what you need. But club level is you have to you have to organise. your. I, I go back to my time at Bridges. You have to organise refs, pitches, matches, physios, doctors. You're looking after a panel of whatever, 30-plus players. Uh, and everything else in the goes with it, you know what I mean? Everything else with you know, regarding your tactics, training wise, setting out training with your S and C, you know, it's club level. I, I just think club like I've been involved at under twenty one level with the county and that was a lot easier. I was in there as a coach, yeah. you go in there, do your job, you go home, fine. But club level club level is very difficult and I feel for feel for managers that are going in there and that have no help. And I know a few lads that have done it the last few years and have sort of stepped away from it because they're expected to do, run the whole, run the whole club almost on their own yeah. and run a team. And like you're having 25, 30 lads. It's very hard to moss. You, you need a really good management team with you at club level. The group you have at the moment, are they hard to manage? I don't know. No, they're not overly hard. You know, you'd have the usual excuses, uh, half an hour before training I, I I can't make it for whatever reason I don't feel well or I got the COVID jab yesterday and I feel a little low on energy and you know you might have one or two lads milking cows and an old chippy that caught up in, uh, in a job that he has to get finished you know what I mean but overall you know they're you know overall they're they're, they're very committed you know what I mean but you, you ever you say don't, don't, cut a cutter. 
I know all the I know all the excuses, lads. <laughs> yeah. I I just say, lads, just be straight up, whatever. I says, if you can't make it, just let me know. If you can, whatever. Like we we've the, the club is very small, you know. It's it's just outside that loan, about maybe about ten minutes on the border yeah. of Westmead and Offaly, a place called Ballinahound. So it's a very small club. So numbers are you're talking twenty to twenty five. That's sort of your max numbers. They're a junior club, so we'd have we'd have to go to twenty a train in every session, which is good. Which you need. Yeah. Just, uh, it's always with numbers. I always said when we were we were going well with Kerry, the club, I don't know how they survived on their own. It was all about the numbers. And they were in an area where, Jesus, summertime was was mad and it was hard to keep them freaking on, online most of the time. Um, you mentioned there on the border, Frankie, and I always find this fascinating. The Dolans, and I know Desi and all the lads be your cousins over, right? And Gary and the boys. You, you were. I didn't realize how close you were. Your dad moved, was it, when you were young, and literally moved out the road. But when you think of Roscommon and and Westmead, you think two different counties, separate, whatever. You were still very, very close. Like he still played soccer, like with, with the lads, with your cousins when you were growing up, which he obviously then played. Was there any ever a kind of a question of you playing for Westmead, like, or was it always when you moved club that was it? No, um, like. W- my mother and father would have moved to the Roscommon side near enough to Hudson Bay Hotel tomorrow. You probably would have, you'd know it yourself fairly yeah. well. And like that's only, it's it's less than five minutes from, it's it's probably about a, a two minute drive to the border of Westmead, you could say, into the roundabout at Ganley's. Two to three minutes. So like they moved out there, all 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 their family would have been originally Westmead people. So they moved out the road and like I was born into the county of Roscommon. So I always classed myself as a Roscommon okay. person, even though, I would have went to school in Athlone, played soccer in Athlone, you know, all, all through the younger years, played soccer with Desi, Gary, you know, socialising Athlone most of the time, you know. So, like, Westmead, Westmead would be very close to me at heart as well. You know, I, I would have probably spent more time in Westmead than I would in Roscommon because it would, it's that close in proximity, you know. There was... Uh... I don't know how true it is, but I heard at the time when Paddy went to SME, did he make an awful drive for you? <laughs> he did, in fairness to him. Um, yeah, came through Desi. Uh, so, we him away scot-free. <laughs> um, yeah, and I met, I met Paddy, and I said it in the book, it was one of the best evenings I ever spent with any GA person. It probably was the best evening. I would have never met Paddy before did that background, Did he make sure... Frankie, that she had a couple of jars and that she had a, a relaxing evening and he didn't pounce you straight away with a question like? There was no champagne now, Tomas. I was a little bit disappointed, but I think he was on the way to training himself. So he, 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 we met in, we met in uh, Brackens in Kinnegad and I, I've never been back there since. I'd love to go back there and sit, sit in the spot that we, we sat for over an hour, Tomas. And the crack was mighty and... I don't know. Paddy never looked looked me in the eye. You know, he was always looking this way or that way, and he'd be eating. He ate. He he must have thirty sandwiches, and you know, he was eating, drinking pots of tea and sandwiches, and the crack was mighty. And there was a few boys at the bar, and they were wondering what the fuck is going on here with these lads, you know? Because the new party more than the new me, and but we had a mighty crack, mighty chat, and you know, I just went to him and I told him how I felt. Like I wasn't brought into the back into the Roscommon panel in two thousand and five. I was twenty seven, so. Um, I stepped. I well, actually no. I stepped away from it in two thousand and five after the second league game. So next thing, the wheels got rolling, and he was through Desi and and Paddy was the manager at the time and met him. And you know, Paddy, 
Potty made it his business to try and get me there. In fairness to him, like we, I went away from the meeting, you know, in very happy, you know. And you know, yeah. a few days after, I started to start thinking, Jesus, is it a bit too too early to join Westmead? You know, and I started thinking about the supporters and that, and family and friends, and the grief I'd probably get, and the usual shit, you know. And um, mm-hmm. Potty must have rang me fifty times, Tomas, and I, I'll be honest with you, I hadn't the balls to pick up the phone to him. I, I actually, I. I, cause I knew if I did, I was gone. I was gone to him, and <laughs> I didn't do it. But you know, I was. It was one evening. You know, I I always, you know, if you're out chatting to people and we'd be chatting about party, it's always one story I always tell. You know, it was, it was, a, it was a brilliant evening I spent on. Even though it was about an hour. You know, it was great memories with him. Oh yeah, uh, Jesus Christ! I remember as a young fella, if he got his tentacles into you at all, at all. Like even for work, and I'd be twelve or thirteen, and he'd be looking for some fella to pull points across the road, and just he'd come over. Christ, if uh, the only chance I had was if I saw him coming, and uh, in the driveway, I could run bolt out the back door down the field, and he wouldn't get a hold of me. Very hard man to say no to. Come here. Yeah. Can you remember the first time you went in, and we played it in a similar era, right? Can you remember? And I always like comparing because it isn't a million years ago. Um. Frankie, like it isn't a million years ago since we played or started out, but the differences, like, can you remember at the start, like, and I'd say club level would probably be ahead of what Intercounty was at the time. Was it a big buzz? Who was involved? What year was it? Um, you were you are you were obviously freaking elated, like, to be inside with the in, in an Intercounty setup. I was. I I was actually brought in in '98, Tomas, when Roscommon and Galway. You remember them two games? Well, oh, yeah. the first game into a a replay and. You know, Roscommon pr- probably should have won that game. I'll always say it. Pr- uh, the Leitrim referee, I won't name him, but, you know, he gave Galway a very dubious free on front of goal in Tume in the last kick of the game. Finnegan tapped it over. And, you know, probably John O'Mahony's connection with Leitrim from years previous probably helped in that decision, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I was I was, I was was training with the lads back then and Gay Sheeran was the manager. Gay would have played in goal for Roscommon over a number of years. Yeah. And, Gay wanted me on the panel, but I didn't want to commit to it. You know, I thought I, I still had loads of time and I be, be I would have been chatting to my uncle Desi and he was sort of saying, if you're not sure, he says, hold off to next year. And, you know, I, I was in there training. I would have trained for them maybe for about maybe six or eight training sessions over the summer and I loved it. And I was flying it with them. And, you know, I was doing damage at training, a lot of these training games. And um, I committed to it then in 99. And, okay. you know, it was... But it was old school then, Tomas. You know what I mean? It was, Jesus, like you were really only training three times a week, you know, and yeah. you might do, you know, the gym came into it then maybe in 2001, really. That's when the gym came into it. And there was said with John Tobin and Des, Des Ryan. Des was, went on to be with Connacht Rugby, Ireland Rugby, Arsenal Football Club. And that's when the training really ramped up. And lads yeah. were sort of seeing a different side to the game. It was sort of changing. Then, then you were probably training probably five days a week. Well, you'd be gone five days a week, you know, and like the, 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 the biggest, you, you just, you talking there and the way you sentence that, like the, the big change in what football has become and is, is the analysis side of it. And the days that you have off, that you have to fill it up with something. That's the difference, isn't it? Because when we were there at the very start, you did your three days on the pitch and that was basically it. Now you trained hard. Probably no yeah. different to what they train now. There's not much of a difference in what you ran hard, you did your running, you did your hard football, 
the tactics, whatever it was, that, that they've changed naturally. But the big difference is the amount of time they spend preparing in terms of analysis and the amount of time they spend getting now, in fairness, Frankie, Jesus Christ, there's some specimens out in the pitch now, to be, to be fair. They're looking at yeah. their models like, this, it, we weren't like that in our day, but <laughs> I wouldn't mind to have a body like them now if I was still playing. Yeah, they wouldn't be able to play football like you, though, Tomas, a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. But like Tomas, or like there's, yeah, the, the time is the big thing. And, and I've heard you talking about it before. Like, I, I, I find it very hard how young lads nowadays, which, you know, and a lot of lads have pulled out of Intercounty because they can't commit to time. A lot of really top, top end footballers, which is such a pity. Um, you know, like video analysis and team meetings going on for hours and hours. I, I wouldn't be able for Tomas. You know, if it was now, I wouldn't be able to sit there and look at videos for hours and talk about football for hours and hours. You know, it's just, you know, I like to do your train and do your bit of chat after, between between exercises, between drills, after a session. You know, you might have a shower. You might go and look at a bit of video analysis for 10, 15 minutes. Loads, plenty. You know, that's what that's that's the way probably you done it as well, no more than anybody else back 20 years ago. Yeah, um, nowadays it's mental stuff. I think it'll come around again, Frankie. I think it'll always be there, and they'll do it properly. But they'll find ways of actually doing it properly without spending the time. I think this whole COVID thing has actually hit the nail on the head in terms. Of we've got a split season. I don't know how that worked. There'll probably be problems in that as well, and they'll, they'll we'll continuously be trying to iron it out. But if they could just realise that the amount of time is not necessary, I think we got enough of a championship last year and this year. The quality of the football, we're raving about what we saw up north and we're raving what we see all over the country in terms of football at the moment. And is there a need of the fucking six, seven months training before it or the amount of analysis that they can't do together? I think that's the one positive out of COVID. We'll find ways of not spending as much time are not needing to spend as much time on it. Can I ask you about the group you had? And I know you're going off golfing with Francie Graham. I met Francie, I was telling you, up, up in Portrush uh, lately. And to be fair, he, he's obviously a keen golfer. Uh, you had a good group and you had uh, Nigel Deneen. I remember um, I watched a goal. The, the What kind of final was it that you got the last minute goal against Mayo? What year was that? 2001. 2001. You went through three or four years. Johnny Tobin was in charge that time, wasn't he? He was, yeah. You had a right good bunch that time in terms of characters. And when I mean characters, probably characters off the pitch. But when I say on the pitch, fellas that could freaking do it, didn't uh, possibly... Mayo and Galway would have possibly been seen as the, the mainstays. But Jesus, you rattled them well in those years, Frankie. They yeah. were good, the, good, the good top years, were they? Yeah, they were brilliant, Moss. And like we got to a couple of league semi-finals, and and uh, you know what I think what sort of fecked us up a bit was our panel wouldn't have been you would have had a big enough panel, but the quality, say outside your 16, 17, to really get up the levels, you know, we didn't have that overall quality. We had a really tight bunch of, I'd say maybe maybe ten or twelve players, really really good top end players, but then. You know, you need you need a big panel of quality players, and like the, you know, likes of Galway back then, like they had a serious panel of players. Mayo always have a serious panel of players. You know, Roscommon then you're always trying to play catch up to Moss, but like we had a great year that year in two thousand and one, and it's the fucking first time the back door was brought in. Typical our luck, you know. We knocked out Galway, 
and then bet me oh and like Galway came back and like it was a, a disaster of a draw for us a quarter final yeah. against Galway down in fucking Casabar of all places <laughs> you know we've a horrible record there fucking horrible record and you know from the start of the game and like John Bannon was reffing it and sure like he, he's best buddies with the Galway boys sure everybody knew back that, that back then you know <laughs> and sure Jesus Christ some of the decisions now it wasn't him that lost the game but like some of the decisions that went on that day was was mind-boggling. You know, he was chatting. I I never. He was chatting to the boys with their first name, Decky and Mikey and PJ, and uh, he's like Divo. He's like fucking hell, like this is fucking mad stuff. You know what I mean? We couldn't get a free. Oh, I shouldn't be laughing. Like a huge match, like a huge, huge match. Do you know, yeah. Frankie? I I love it. Like I love the when you talk about it, and you can hear it in your voice there, isn't it the parochial stuff, the real, real, the Mayo's free and the Galway's free, it's the Corks for us, like, that's what really gets the juices flowing, like, it brings out the best in us, doesn't it? Does and it brings the worst in us at the same time. Yeah, here, that's part and parcel of it, that's the great thing about GAA, you know what I mean, and, like, social media has a lot to answer for the last couple of years, thank God it wasn't out when we were back in our heydays, you know, but, like, like I got a bit of stick there a few weeks ago. A lot of stick and a lot of a lot of stuff online messages, private messages. Now, it's a good job I'm a thick skinned person because some of the messages that was sent to me was totally off the charts. Yeah, from the old people. You know what I mean? I was having a bit of banter, you know, as we do. You know, like that's the way we are. And you know, more no more than yourself, you throw an odd scud out here and there just for a bit of crack, for a little bit of divilment, you know. Yeah. But I'd always respect Mayo, always respect Galway for what they've done on the pitch, you know. Yeah. Regarding Mayo not winning Sam Maguire since a few years after us coming back in the 1950s, but like what they've yeah. done, you know, over the years, you cannot fault that, you know what I mean? And the, and the same with Galway. And like, I threw out a scud there about hatred between whatever us coming and Mayo, and there is hatred there, Tomas. Between sections, like you go up to Balahadreen, where Andy Moore reckons he's from, you know, and Andy made a statement. He says, "I'm living in Athlone." Like Andy, Andy want to get his facts right. I'm not. Li- I haven't lived in Athlone in a long time, and Andy'd want to learn where he's from himself first before he starts throwing scuds at me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, like, we'll always have that bit of crack, you know. And and like Tomas, I've been in Crow Park loads of times, and you know. I've seen lads fighting with each other in the crowd. So if you tell me that's not hatred or that's not whatever rivalry, you'll always have that. And, you know, and that's part and parcel of the GA. Like if that dies, you know, that's when the GA really is in trouble. You, you have your Cork, your Kerry's, your, your Dublin, your Meads, your, your, your Roscommon Mio, Roscommon with whatever you want to call it, you know, and the rivalry up the North then is on, is on another level completely than probably down South. So yeah. like, that's part and parcel. It's all a bit of banter. Like, and, you know, people take things literally too much nowadays, you know, sit back, relax, you know, and, you know, don't take life so serious. Enjoy it, you know, and embrace a little bit of conflict at times as well. I was, uh, it's very, very true. You'd always, Jesus, Frankie, I'd be the exact same as you. I would respect supporters and players and footballers from every county and you're going to say things at times that piss people off and you're going to say things there is awful banter there there's awful crack there but at the end of the day we're all GA people when we cross the white line of course you'd want to kill a Cork man or you want to kill a Dublin man it's not literally kill but you do anything to get over them and you it's I think it spills into the crowd but we over any other sport tend to leave it after us and there's all there's a tiny 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 percent that can draw it 
too far and you're only talking about a tiny percent. Um, yeah. With the, were you a hard group? I, I saw Shane Kearns, uh, I really enjoyed it. Jeez, he's a great character. I enjoyed his, his Laker Gale and it, it, you, you brought back, and I suppose when you're not inside in the middle of it, I was brought back to when Mahan came and he made, he made a mistake, I suppose, by dropping lads that he should have carried on with him. I think any team, and you see the dubs even now at the moment, it's those characters that you need to have in the dressing room that set the standards and set the whatever kind of a culture that you have going. Um, was that something that pissed you off? Because you said it there earlier on, 27 years of age, and was that it in terms of inter-county? You came back after, did you? But that was it at the time. You were too young at 27, like. Yeah, that was that was that was more or less it, Tomas. 2004, you could say, was my last year played inter-county at, at at the level required. Um, like I started out in in 2005, the start of the year. Um, Tommy Carr, Tommy Carr was Tommy's last year actually, and like I came back second fittest in the test, which was remarkable for a, a player like me, I suppose. Like I trained like a dog for a few months over the winter, got myself into serious serious shape and. Came back and I wasn't starting out. Be it it was against Clare and Carlo, we were playing Division Three or some shit like that. Like I wanted to be playing Tomas, I didn't want to be sitting on the bench, yeah. and and I wasn't getting the start. And I was like, "Fuck this!" And I, I was getting no communication, so that was fine. The name the team then for the Carlo game, and I was like, "What's the name again?" I said, "Fuck this! I'm off. I'm gone. I'm not putting up with this shit." You know, no one telling me why I'm not starting. If 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 the Management said we're we're holding you for the championship or some shit like that. That would have done give me anything, but no communication was a disaster for me. And I said, lads, I'm out of here. Good luck. The best of luck to you. And one journalist in Roscommon actually says later on that year, I was the first GA player in the history of the GA to get dropped twice in playing playing county football. And like that was pure silly stuff as well. You know what I mean? I walked yeah. away from the panel in 2005, Tomas of my own accord and people here would know that but it's painting a picture elsewhere around the country saying just that Frankie Dolan's a complete fucking lunatic to deal with you know what I mean Tomas yeah. I and know like, yeah that's far from the truth I was uh, I was telling a fella a fella that's huge into his football because he, he he loves a crack and, and all these podcasts it's, it's a bit of a do you know like I don't know when we'll meet again but it's a kind of a catch-up anyway that, that we'd kind of have. But I said I was interviewing Frankie Dolan. He says, straight away, first words out of his mouth. He says, 2003, two matches, 25 points. Should have got an all-star. And I wouldn't have a memory like that. But Jesus Christ, I, I always think like, if you have a fella that can score like that. Because any time we play G, Frankie, or any time Common, that was the first name. And then when I saw it, 27 years of age, and I said, and I don't want to be going down the bad old days or whatever. I remember we played G in the semi-final and did the, the 21s. And yeah. you're, you're <laughs> I have to go there. Like They were all talking about you coming down, like, and they were saying, like, uh, the pocket rocket. That was the, the, the name we had at the time. <laughs> so we didn't, we obviously didn't have a clue, like, we thought the pocket rocket was obviously something about the fact, geez, this fella must be a live wire altogether. I only found out afterwards that the pocket rocket was was due to your exploits as a snooker player. <laughs> no, that was years after Tomas. Fuck yeah. <laughs> no, Willie Willie Hagerty, Willie Hagerty, the local commentator here for Shannon side, he'd start calling me the pocket rocket. 
because believe it or not, I could run when I was younger, Tomas. I could, I was fast, like <laughs> over about ten yards. Ask Mike McCarthy; Mike will tell you. Was Mike <laughs> one of the best you came across, Frankie? I wouldn't say he was one of the best, but you know, he, he was sort of loose enough as well. Tomas, he wasn't sort of in your face, sort of. Yeah, you know, there was no fit- stuff like. He he could read the game. I thought, you know, he was. Like Mike, we played we played G two or three times, and I was always marking Mike, and I didn't mind marking him, yeah. you know. But you know, he was you know he was athletic, he was strong. Yeah. You know what I mean? I thought he could read the game as well, you know. And like I try and give him a bit of jip in matches, and sure he he'd never open his mouth. He used to drive me no. mad, you know what I mean? I know him very well. He still wouldn't open his mouth to me. Yeah, um, lovely fella. Actually, you got a box in that match before the game, did you? What? Did you get a slap before that match? Actually, by by one of our wing forwards. He was a boxer. He told me that he, he says he wanted to lay down a marker before the game and he knew he was going to be on you. And he says, I'm going to flatten O'Shea. And I said, the best of looking up to you trying to flatten that flat. He said, he hit you a belt and you said, he just looked at, you just looked at him and laughed at him. And he says, he says, we knew we were Ben. He says, we were Ben. Oh, Jesus. I can barely remember that. Who was the filthiest man, Frankie? Because I know some fellas know who, and it's not. But when we say filthiest man, it, it I mean it in a kind of a complicate, a uh, complimentary kind of a way. Who was the filthiest guy who was a good footballer but could mix it both ways? Well, I wouldn't say he was a good footballer, but Francie Bellew was a fucker to play against. <laughs> he was a. Um, but like. Like, believe it or not, Francie was fast enough over a few yards, you know what I mean? If he caught you, he'd hit you. He'd give you a fucking belt, like. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Francie was Francie definitely one of them. Uh, I know he slowed up in later years. Um, geez, who else? I tell you who was hero. A He's a hero above an arm. You'd love to have him on your side, like. Oh, every day of the week. Francie is the first man on the team sheet, <laughs> you know? Um, I stretched him. I had to stretch. I stretched him one day up in um, Cross McGlen. He was at me. He actually the start of the game. I was in beside the goalpost, and he came in and he drove his knee into me, into me tie. So that he he more or less gave me a dead leg. The umpire seen it, and I turned around. I said, "You going to do anything about this?" And he just turned his back on me. I say he was afraid to put his fucking hand up. Yeah. So I said, "Fuck you!" And he was uh, fancy, and I says, "I'll get you back yet." So the game kept on and on and on and. It was it was only about a pint or two in it near near about ten minutes ago, and Francie was he was right behind me neck, and he was blowing at the ear, and he was sort of hitting me in the back, and the usual shite nice of this. It says right. So I looked around, and he was no one around, and I just boom, I let back and straight knocked him, knocked him to the ground, and I had a word with him when he was on the ground, you know, and ah sure I was caught the fucking the two umpires seen it, and the linesman seen it that side, and the linesman seen it that side, so. I wasn't getting away with that one, but he deserved it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I suppose he probably wasn't in training. Huh? We left it on the pitch. That's where we are. You know, I'd know Francie fairly well. Played against yeah. him at club level. You know, great fella. Great fella, but, but sure, actually, there was mad stuff going on back 15, 20 years ago. That's off the, ball. the beauty of, I think, and I think yeah, we, we learned it from home. Like, anytime party, we'd be hanging around parties, as young fellas, and he'd be meeting players from other counties and other... All over the country, and the crack he'd have, like, and sure, that isn't that like I love it. I love the fact yeah. that you can, that yeah, we did what we did. And the Tyrone fellas, I would have hated them, I would have hated them. But I went on a trip to Australia in 2005 with them, and um, 
Christ, the soundest lads off the pitch you could ever meet. Kevin Hughes and Ryan McManaman, fellas who were hard bastards on the pitch, but Christ. Yeah. Um, after that, Frank, you had fierce, fierce success with the club. Unbelievable success with the club. Can I ask you, like, with it, winning with the club, and I know I'm not even going to compare it, winning that All-Ireland with the club, that was huge, was it? Obviously huge. Like, I, 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 we only got one chance, half a chance ever. We have a small club, and we wouldn't have been winning county championships <laughs> like you were. But despite all the county championships you had, the All-Ireland club was still a hard one to get, wasn't it? Oh, so hard, Moss. Like, you know yourself, I was at your game against Calter in 2004, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I was at that game, and... Actually, I was just going to say Tomas Meehan. Tomas yeah. Meehan marked Darrow that game that day, if, yeah. I, if, if I remember right. You know, he'd done such a, an unbelievable job. And I found him very hard to play against as well. He was yeah. really athletic, really strong. You know, I, I remember I was behind the goals in the in the, the Davin and kick out. He used to keep hitting Darrow's hand with the kick outs. I, I remember it so well. And Cals were mopping up the ball, breaking ball. And, you know, Michael Meehan was flying at that day you know he was in great form and like to get to that level Tomas is an achievement in itself oh it's huge you know they, even for a small they club got their like matchups. yeah they What's got that? their matchups right I was flying at that year and they had a man on me that year that day I didn't get a kick of the ball like and looking back at it I was saying well, what did I expect they had their homework done but we weren't going to get back when you went there you, went, you got there in 2011 Frankie didn't you yeah did you 11 think, yeah against Cross did you think then Jesus, that's a chance gone. Or did you think going down the road? Because like, when we went down the road, we thought, fuck, we'll never get back up here. Did you think the chance yeah. was gone then? Uh, I wouldn't say we thought it was gone, Tomas, because like, we, we had a big panel back then, and there was, still, there was still a conveyor belt coming with young lads under 21s and that coming through. Um, like, that was a game that I, like, we went in very raw into that game. And like, we played into Cross McGlenn's hand. We didn't play great football. And like we only lost the game by by a goal, like yeah. I think it was two eleven to one eleven or something on that scoreline. Not playing well against a, a, a brilliant Cross McGlen team. A little bit of streetwise stuff won it for Cross McGlen. Simple stuff, Tomas. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the following year, then we two thousand and what was it two thousand and twelve? We we lost to Gary Castle in the All Ireland semi final. Desi and Gary James, Alan Fox, all the all the cousins were playing on that. So when we lost that game, I definitely thought our chance was gone. After that year, yeah. you know that was that that was a killer altogether. Like a low, like they're only ten minutes in the road from our own pitch, the boys in Gary right. Castle. And then when Liam and Kevin and Benny Benny came in then in two thousand and thirteen, it sort of it sort of brought a little bit more life to it. And Liam McHale's training was was brilliant. Do you know what I mean? And they were good. Kept to work it Kevin as exactly. a manager, like did did you need that kind of change to kind of bring it to another level? Then yeah. Like Tomas, there was a lot of brilliant work done in the years leading up to that. Yeah. There was, you know, some the likes of Noel O'Brien, Ona Donlan from Galway, who won a, a club with Salt Hill, you know, Anthony Cunningham before that. You know, there was there was a lot of really good managers there that done a lot of really, really good work. Benny O'Brien was there. And then when Kevin came in and Liam and Benny came in as a selector with him, you know, a lot of the dog, dogged work was done, Tomas. It was just a matter of tidying up little bits and pieces you know, and that's all it was. Simple stuff, Tomas. It wasn't rocket science. You know, there was no meetings for hours and hours and video analysis. All Most of our work was done out on the football pitch through Liam's coaching. And, you know, Liam McHale deserves all the credit he can get. Like, they were a brilliant management team, the way they worked together. Like, Kevin couldn't do what Liam could do, but Liam couldn't do what Kevin could do. 
you know, yeah. and Benny was there as well in, in, in the middle of it all. So, like, it was so enjoyable. Um, like, and it wasn't, like, we struggled at times in our scam and people might say, Jesus, you won this, you won that. We did, but, like, we didn't win every game handily. You know, there was one or two games that, fuck it, the county final went down to the wire, you know, and we were very lucky. In, in, in that game I, I got a goal near the end of the game and we, we won it by a point I don't know what we won it by but like it wasn't playing sailing you know then we got into the, the, when when we got into the kind of club Tomas that's when we, we really opened our wings that's when we really you know players stepped up another level they were able to do it for some reason don't ask me they were able to step it up another level and we bet Balahadrine in, in the county or in the kind of final by a good few points and that set us up nicely then for another crack across McGlen. And that that was probably the most enjoyable game that I ever played in, the All-Ireland right. semi-final against them, you know. It was payback. <laughs> <laughs> it was payback. And like that that game at Everton, Tomas, the quality of football wasn't overly great. But, you know, it was so intense, you know, the mountain, the belting off the ball, the stuff off the ball was savage. And I loved that. I loved it, you know. And... We won that game. We should have won that game by six or seven points in at the end. Like a couple of stupid wides with Laz and like we were the better team. And um, you know, that set us up then for a crack at Ballymun. Like that Ballymun team were littered with county Huge. footballers. Yeah. Fucking yeah. Littered. Like to give I can't remember exactly, but to give uh Dr. Crokes a bit of a belt and did they in the semi final? Yeah. I can't yeah. remember the score. They had they had the who's who of Dublin, the best players Dublin had at, had at the time as well, like Rock and McCarthy and McMahon. All of those yeah. lads, like, ah, oh, they they had, a, and the still of a lot of that, the core of that team playing uh, even last year, winning the county final last year, the Smalls are after coming through. John Small came on as a sub that day uh, against us. He was probably only a young lad, but like, like that 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 game. Do you know if people were looking at matches, go and look at that 2013 club final. No, it was, was up and down and up and down, yeah. and like. The amount of mistakes that was made to Moss was unbelievable, looking back on it. But that sort of made it more exciting. You know, the yeah. pitch was in shit that day. The weather wasn't great. You know, it was slippy. It was slidey, you know. and But like to Moss, it was just up and down, up and down. The tackling, the belting was brilliant. There was no mountain. It was a totally different game than the cross game. You know, players concentrated on the game. Yeah, and I say, it was a, I say it was an easy game for the ref, Parry Hughes, the ref. Like, we never got a free inside the 45 that game. Christ, yeah. No, we, 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 everything we scored was from play. I, that I, day. We were free. I remember watching it on television, and I, television. There was a gang of us watching it, and we were saying it was a fantastic match. But those club games, geez, Frankie, the club games are brilliant. Like, I can't imagine Kevin McStay going nuts, but I presume he made up for that afterwards. Yeah, we had a great crowd. McStay actually got lost in the in, He got lost coming. He was up in the suite in the first half, having his fucking prawn sandwiches and whatever else he was drinking, but he got lost coming down to Moss in the lift. Now, you know yourself, it's easy to get lost in them lifts in Crow Park up in the suite. They're very, huh? They're very complicated, the lift system in Crow Park. Jesus, don't talk to me about them, but um, they are when you're going doing a match, if you're in, 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 in the hotel beforehand having a jar or two, but if you're doing a bit of commentary on the radio, but like um, Kevin came in there with about, the bell was just rang. Like I followed Mikhail into the dressing room or into the Jackson before before um anything happened. I said to Carmanian, I says, Where's Mikhail? Like I knew myself, like we needed Garvin Dolan on the pitch. Like we were being cleaned around the middle of the pitch. We needed a fellow to come in, do a little bit of belting, shake up a few things. Yeah. Breaking ball was killing us. And like I kept looking at the sidelines, I said, warming them up, what the fuck's going on? I said he'd need him on. 
So I followed Liam in like myself and Liam would be like that. And I followed him in and Liam went into the jacks anyways and he closed the door and I gave the boot in and get I, I opened the door and I locked the door behind me. And I grabbed him and I was looking up to him like that. Mikhail's about six foot four or five and he's looking down at me. He could have killed me. <laughs> I said, Mikhail, will you fucking get Garvin on the pitch? I said, do whatever you want. Take off wherever the fuck you want. I said, get him on the fucking pitch, will you? He goes, I know, I know, I know. I said, you better fucking do it. So they got him on anyways and changed the team up a bit. And like Kevin came in just before the bell went off. And like the players, like Tomas, you go back to responsibility, ownership. You know, that's what I like to put into teams like Carl Mannion, Marco Carl, uh, and myself. Like we chatted to the team at half time. We told us, settle down, we're in the game, four or five points in it. You know, we just next score, next score. I said, these boys are fucking rattled. I says, we get a goal. I says, let's see the reaction, you know. And like we got the goal. Mango got a brilliant goal. He fisted it in along the ground and like. We took over that game in the second half, but like it was still nip and tuck, and it went to the last kick of the game, and like it was a brilliant way to win it, Tomas. Do you know, just the, the way, like uh, I, yeah, I looked up at the clock, and uh, we turned over the ball, and I Graham turned it over. I looked up, as we've about fifteen seconds here to get the ball up the pitch. It was only a minute injury time, and there should have been yeah. probably another minute or two. But next thing came to me, anyways, went over. I knew we won it, you know, and it was to win it that way, like playing for the club for twenty-two years, you know. You know, it was brilliant to win it that way at the end of the game. You know, it was fantastic memories. Huge. Mm. It's the biggest. It's the biggest regret that I'd always say it like, like I, I'd always separate club from county. And you've, it's hard to compare club and county, but Jesus, winning an All Ireland club is is unreal. You spoke. You spoke about Garvin there, and that little bit of devil. And I wish Kerry had that little bit of more, a bit of a devil where where you have fellas who do a certain thing. And I suppose nowadays it's not that you don't get caught, but do it cleverly. Garvin, I heard a massive one. Was he sent off at some club level, and did he moon the 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 stand? <laughs> oh Jesus! Fuck! I don't know. He could have. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's, it didn't it's happen. Either, I don't know if it's true or not, but I just want to believe it is. <laughs> Well, I'd say I'd say it's probably true, but it's either Garvin Dolan or Jimmy Nail, one or the other, one or the other. Jimmy, now Jimmy Nail is the man to save Tommy Carr's job in two thousand and three when we got a goal against Leeds from the last kick of the game. So I don't, I'd say it could have been Garvin actually. It could, I, I think it could have been against Clanny Gale actually. Could have been. Uh, yeah. Do you know what, Frankie? You could talk about the old days, like Valley Mahan. I've been lucky enough to win a county in Kerry and in Cork, and I had great days. With Nemo, I thought I was finished. I thought I was gone, and the boys were chatting away, and they said, "You have something to offer, Bloody Blank Win." I had a couple of good seasons with them and great crack. But it was Desi's dad, wasn't it, that was over in Longford, and you went over there for a year, was it? And you won the county over there, didn't you? Yeah, I went for two, Tom. Two, Jesus two years. Christ! Yeah, and you you probably got a kick out of it. Enjoyed it, like it was. Oh, jeez, I loved it, Tomas. I loved it. Um, like I had a fallout with the club. And it was over over something fucking stupid. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He came back from holidays, blah, blah, blah. They told the three, three lads that went, we'll give you a weekend away whenever you want it as, like, as a thank you for coming back. We missed five days in the Canaries, you know. So came back anyways, and we lost the game to replay by a point. And long story short, that didn't come through. So I said, lads, I'm off. And the other two lads didn't play. One lad packed it in completely. And the other lad, Jimmy Nail, didn't play for a number of years. So it was something small like that. But I said, right, I'm going to Ballyman. And I went working over in Tullamore and, you know, it was the best thing I ever done. I loved it. And it toughened me up to Moss. Like, Longford Club football, Jesus Christ almighty. Um, Talk about referees back then. You might as well not have a referee in the pitch. <laughs> but I loved it. We won the county final the first first time they ever won it. And we won the league. So we'd done the double, which was 
unbelievable achievement for them. And then we got to the county final the next year and we drew the first game uh, to Clongish, the Bardens. You'd know the Bardens well, Paul and the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we lost the replay. But, like, we had, like, great memories there and, like, still be in contact with a good few of the lads back from... Like, that's nearly 18, 19 years ago. So there's, you know, we had a great, really good, solid group of lads back then. You know what I mean? And there were... You know, me joining them probably just pushed them over the line. They just needed a forward to get over the line. And like we had a very good team. We fuck we we drew a rat new or no, we lost a rat new in the Leinster Club. We held them scoreless in the second half to bet us by a point. And you know, that was that that sort of was that was a bitter, bitter pill to take. You know what I mean? We were so close, yet so far. You know what I mean, Tomas? You never know what might have happened if we got over the line there. Jesus, uh Frankie, there was I, I'm conscious now that you're going golfing. I didn't want to be holding you up. I could stay talking, Charles. Yeah. Before I let you go, the the mm-hmm. you're after carrying out a book. I have it. I it's just ridiculously busy at the time with with, with football on and matches and whatever work going on at the moment. But I'm going to be reading it soon enough. Um, you're going like myself. I wrote a book. You're going to New York and you're going to have a, a bit of a launch over in New York. Uh, you'll enjoy that one, no doubt. How's it going? Did you enjoy writing the book? It's probably like what I love about you is the straight honesty. You'll call it as it is. It doesn't have to be right. It doesn't have to be wrong. You'll call it as it is. It is your own story. Did you enjoy the whole thing? You did. I loved it, Tomas. Yeah, like it was a thing that people were onto me for a few years to do one, and I said, "Lads, I have an notion of doing it." You know, like you know yourself, you're doing a, an art. A, a, you do an interview for a paper before a game. You're, you're spilling the same shit the whole time. You know, it's all bullshit. It's all dotting the I's, crossing the T's, you know. So you write a book, as you know, it's, you have to let it all out there. And poor Dan that done that wrote the book, I say he's still scratching his head with some of the stuff that he's been told, you know. Um, like the crack, he was more a shrink than any. I've said it before. He was, he was nearly like a shrink to me, Tomas. Jesus Christ. I felt great after it. And it was all free therapy for me, you know. But we had great crack, you know. You know, and you know, but you know what I loved about it, Tomas, is is reconnecting with lads from say the likes of I'd have great connections in Galway, Dublin, few lads in Kerry, you know, just getting messages or phone calls, you know what I mean? Lads yeah. saying, Jeez, we got the book and whatever, looking forward to reading it, and some lads loved it, and you know, and then getting getting around the county here in Roscommon in particular the last few weeks, and we had a launch in Kiltoom and people came from all over the county and a bit a bit few lads from Galway, Decky Meehan came from Galway and few lads from Sligo, Leeds from, you know, Westmead, yeah. you know, meeting people like that, the lockdown has been a disaster for everyone. And like, I, I'd be a social kind of a person. I love getting out, meeting people. And that was one reason yeah. that I wanted to try and have a launch, get, just to get to see people and have a bit of crack and talk to them. And looking forward to New York now in September, Kieran Keevney, uh, great Roscommon man, great Roscommon supporter. He's out there the last 20 plus years. So we're going to hook up with a few of the lads over there. Sure. Whether we sell a book or not, sure. We won't really mind, but we'll have good old crack out there anyway. We'll bring a few, we'll bring a, we'll bring a few books with me. We'll see how we get on. <laughs> the book is irrelevant out there. <laughs> it's really, yeah. What was I going to say? I can't, I can't leave you go without fucking drawing down. I know it is the, the, the snooker club or whatever. I actually was on a bus one day coming on a, uh, from a stag years ago. And uh, we all... We all ended up naked on the bus, like, you know, and it was just a bit of crack or whatever, like. And I, forget about everything after. I'd say you had unbelievable crack while it was actually happening. And, you know, childish and it made newspapers for all the wrong reason. 
But I'd say yeah. to be right smack bang in the middle of it, Frankie, the madness that'd be there. It was fucking funny. You were lucky there was no fucking um, spoke about social media back then. <laughs> Yeah, there was no mobile phones really back then. I don't know where the mobile phones were. They're like the blocks of blocks of turf. I suppose that's what we, what we had. But ah, the crack was mighty, Tomas. You know, like and it was it was harmless. Like like Tomas, no more than yourself and lads that played football over the years. Like I've seen stuff that went on. Like if it got out there, lads, it ended up in this in the slammer. Never mind on the newspapers. But like the crack was mighty, and like it was just like it was. Like the the paper just your man in the hotel wanted to make a quick book for himself, so that was fair enough. But like I suppose the crack was brilliant at the time, but the the the, the fall back then was tough to deal with. Yeah. Like I be like I'm I'm totally old school. I keep things wrapped in wrapped wrapped inside my head the whole time. There'd be stuff going around my head a million miles an hour after that, and you know the worst thing I done was not talk to anybody. Like in fairness to Carol and my wife, she sent she told me to go chat to a person a good few years after that. And like that's when sort of opened up my mind just to to speak, you know, if you're not feeling right or you think something isn't right in your head or whatever, and that goes for anybody, you know, just talk. Yeah. It's no harm in saying something to a person. It might help or it mightn't help, but I found it brilliant. It got it off my chest, you know, all that shit off my chest. I had to go to Australia tomorrow to fucking get away from it, believe it or not. Like I went for nearly three months because I was working on the road for the boys in Tullamore. I'm sure every shop or supermarket you go into, all the boys be here. Hey, look, here's the snooker player. Here's the pool player. You know what I mean? Uh, and I wasn't a footballer. I was a fucking pool player <laughs> back then. You know, <laughs> I, I I remember taking a penalty against Galway in 2002 that year in the fucking Connick Connick Championship, and I was brought on as a sub. I, I was coming back from a hamstring injury, and I'll never forget. I I ran on pitch. I was only on pitch for a few minutes, and I was a penalty taker and got a penalty. And he was an Allen. Alan Kane was in goal. Alan Kane's about six foot four. And he put out his arms yeah. like that in goal. And he said, oh, Jesus Christ, what am I going to do here? But just before I picked up the ball, you could see the boys behind the goal. The man, Ronnie O'Sullivan. They kept roaring, Ronnie O'Sullivan. I says, I'll fucking show you boys. But dummy set up, bang, fucking kick, buried it. It was sailing right into the, I never forget, sailing right into the top corner, right-hand corner. And next thing, the ball just lifted. There's a little bit of a terrace behind the, the hide. I knew it so well, Tomas. And if there's any yeah. breeze at all, it goes over that, the ball lifted. Well, the fucking ball lifted. I was disgusted. Oh, but the ball hit the scoreboard that's still there behind the goal. And my sister was going out with a fella at the time. It hit the bottom of the scoreboard. It came down and hit him on the back of the head and it broke his two front teeth. <laughs> 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 to make matters worse. <laughs> Oh, for God's sake. Oh, That's what I remember about that. <laughs> oh, stop. But, like, I'm all over that Tomas now. I'm over that shit, you know. Yeah. I took it hard after it, you know. I got out of the country. The best thing I done was got out, came back, started afresh. And, like, I started afresh really in 2003. And after that, then, I never looked back. I just didn't give a shit about it. I moved on with life, you know. And you'd always still have lads coming up to you talking about it. And I just laugh about it now. And I know. Yeah. I don't care, you know. But people need to realise as well, like, especially with social media nowadays with young lads, like, you know, social media is a bad place most of the time. And like, like, unless you're able to cope with it, you know what I mean? Like it's people need to be mindful of young lads nowadays, especially playing soccer and inter-county level. Most lads see the shit that's going on that's being put up and there's no need for it really. You know what I mean? Just, there's no need. Lads are trying their best and you know, life is too short to be 
like 99% of the stuff is negative on social media. You, you very rarely see positive comments or positive talk about whatever, players or whatever. It's all people trying to run people down, which is why I wouldn't be on social media an awful lot. Do you know what I mean, Tomas? Yeah, well said, because I, I, I totally agree with you. Jeez, when you look back at what you did and then, Jesus, what was the harm in it? Like you were inside doing whatever and you wouldn't even think of it. I'd look at it and I just thought of like, that's typical of what would have been happening with groups and, and teams and all. That, that that tends to happen every now and again, but it's actually harmless, harmless fun. It mightn't look at the way it's, it's when it goes into newspaper. You never think then of how that, you have to go to work and it freaking affects you that way and all that. And that's, it's not nice. Frankie, look, I'm going to leave it at that, boy. Um, it was brilliant. I could keep talking to you all, all day, boy. I have great time for you I, in terms of what you've achieved on the pitch and off the pitch and your honesty and all that. Best of luck with the book. Best of luck with the round of, of golf. Tell Francie I was asking for him. And um, I'd like to, to thank you for coming on, Coral at Moss, in association with Airgrid. And the very best of luck in, in the future and enjoy New York. Thanks, Frankie. Man, Tom, thanks a million. Great to talk to you, buddy. Thanks again to our sponsor, Airgrid, proud supporters of the Airgrid Under-20 All-Ireland Football Championship and leaders in Ireland's pursuit of a cleaner energy future. Don't forget to follow, subscribe and review. Gormila Mahagat.